Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Tonight, we're going to be discussing Lil Nas X. We're also going to be talking about uh, Lecrae, his interactions with Lecrae. And we're just going to be shining a little bit more of a light on the whole Lil Nas X trying to make Christian music phenomenon, which is absurd in and on its face. And we're going to do basically a, a regular video but live and just kind of test run this format i guess and what better way to do that than live on youtube twitch twitter and rumble I'll, and i'll be interacting with the chat tonight because it's live so why not a lot of people be doing more live content i'm getting the uh, chat coming in that late and gay um one of those things, but fashionably late, fashionably late, like every YouTuber is on a live stream. So uh, with that said, we're going to be talking Lecrae tonight. So don't forget to like this live stream to help those magical algorithms and subscribe if you are new. But I do want to set up why I want to talk about this, because first of all, we have an overtly satanic and highly secular artist, if you want to call him an artist most known for the old town road and remaking that song with billy ray cyrus and that's basically what lil nas x is known for a lot of kids liked that song and then you know he goes and does music videos like industry baby and other stuff involving like satan and lap dances and stuff like that so this is something that we want to uh kind of expose and one of the reasons why i want to expose this is sort of this type of stuff right here so this is someone called ash who is a person who works in conservative media this is someone who is part of the benny johnson show and benny johnson is someone who's relatively prominent in conservative media he, i assume he might be part of the trump griff core but either way uh he's prominent in conservative media she works on his show so you know she works in conservative inc and she's tweeting out lil nas x has returned back to god and is about to expose the music industry so there's a few tiktoks from lil nas x uh they're just captions like me returning to god after the industry tried to make me satanic like really the industry didn't try to make you satanic you were definitely satanic in your music videos and it shows and then there's another tiktok that says me knowing about uh me knowing i'm about to expose the industry next friday realizing i need to watch my back for the next seven days as though he's in danger as though lil nas x trying to make christian music is in any way in danger endangering to the zeitgeist so that, that's another ridiculously absurd premise and he says me staying with the police department 24 7 for the next set five days before i expose the music industry for what they did to me the evil will not stop what god has planned one out of 12 and so i guess there's 12 more where that came from and i guess another thing that this ash girl tried to uh say was did y'all uh, she's floating uh lil nas x tiktok account and do y'all notice how a lot of celebrities went quiet after i said i'm about to start exposing people also don't worry about me i'm secluded uh 
I'm in a secluded place where no one will find me. Be ready for 112. Oh, 112 is the date. Uh, my bad. Usually when people put one out of something on a uh, post, that means that there's a thread. But yeah, people like Ash uh, wanted to promote this. And I just said First Timothy 2 is still undefeated, uh, which is my snarky way of kind of attacking that uh, in general. Because First Timothy 2 talks about how uh, women are not qualified for being pastors. And what the reason for that is rooted in creation because uh, it wasn't man who was deceived in this and man defied, which is arguably worse, but we're not tricked into it. So catching up on some chat, what makes, uh, what's more spiritual Lil Nas X making Christian music or chat GPT making Christian music. And I would go with chat GPT. I am more of a techno optimist than a techno cynic on AI. I, I kind of agree with Andrew Torba's reasoning. I also like Charles Haywood, who's very much a techno optimist. who wants space travel. So, um, I'm going to go with uh, ChatGPT. I could get ChatGPT to make Christian music if I wanted to. Now, uh, we'll see if I, I try that. But with that said, uh, Lecrae is way down on this, but I do want to focus a little bit more on the Twitter account of Lil Nas X because, you know, the lack of discernment on this issue is quite pressing. So, uh, this is something that showed up. You have a, a bunch of churches putting this in their thing, apparently, or maybe this is bad Photoshop. Can't tell. I mean, I assume that this is a an ECLA church, so I don't really care. I, I don't know. I can't. It's one of those, okay, this is so cringe, it's actually believable. And then we have a community Baptist church, which could be a cooperative Baptist fellowship church. Or, you know, uh, St. James Memorial Congregational Church sounds pretty mainline. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot that could, there's a lot of lacking discernment on this topic. And I don't want to see, you know, people get fooled, even if they're only being fooled because of how, you know, not full of wisdom they are. This is a little gif that uh Lil Nas X was touting it's him being crucified and you notice that that is much of the imagery is him being crucified while wearing women's shoes and you could argue that that could also be a women's undergarment but yeah and him being crucified on gold blocks then transforms into some sort of gay battle angel I don't quite know what i'm looking at here uh let the viewer interpret that and then there's also this image of him being crucified and it looks like people of different religious traditions are hoisting him up on a cross uh that looks to be made out of stone actually and not wood but yeah so there's this self-crucifixion imagery that Lil nas x is invoking which is pretty problematic. So Lil Nas X Jesus or J Christ, uh, more imagery coming out of him. And it looks like that he views himself as Jesus, which is not Christological, but it's anti-Christological. So this is 
sort of what we're talking about with this figure. And what we're about to talk about is how Lecrae, who used to call himself a Christian rapper, then he kind of left the Christian label, as I understand it, because he didn't want to be tied up with the Christian music industry, which is not something that I would condemn him for at all. And and now that I'm still scrolling up on the Lil Nas X Twitter, yeah, he's a transvestite as well. Uh, it's just worth noting that, you know, the cross-dressing is very much extreme on his front. I talked about this the last time I talked about Lil Nas X in his Christian era where he's, you know, a transvestite in his music video on some crappy street center there. It's what he is. And, you know, he's also made the comment that he can uh, bend over and blow a dude and still, and also bend over and use those same knees to pray to God. So that's the, the mentality. There is no repentance here. This is just mockery. This is him trying to troll God. And then he says, I know Twitter hates me right now, but I want to let y'all know I'm literally about to go to college for biblical studies in the fall. Not everything is a troll. Anyway, I'm a student again. Let's go. And he places a letter from Liberty University, which is interesting because it says Jerry Falwell president. So that's not up to date. So this is just a very elaborate troll. Looks like uh, Community Notes, uh, which is Twitter's um, fact-checking uh, I don't I don't know what to call it. It's not an algorithm, but it's sort of like a community way of fact, a democratized fact checking system on Twitter might be the best way to put it. It's not immune to abuse, but it is quite useful. Then we have another. I'm just going to mute it because the music sucks. But this is him like taking communion in a way that's like a buffet and uh, a Baptist at a golden corral. If I want to make fun of our, my fellow Baptist for a second here. And again, he's dressing like he's the Jesus in the picture, which is kind of odd. Um, but again, this isn't his Christian era. This is his anti-Christian era. And then you see, you know, he posts a video of Candace Owens, and he's basically trying to attack her, I, I guess. And... Yeah, it's a lot of self-promotion on this front. So that's a little bit about Lil Nas X. I'm going to catch up with some chat. Uh, Jesus had days like this, Tupac. I don't know if that's a legit quote, but it does remind me of a He Gets Us commercial because, you know, it's that time of year again where we're going to be seeing a lot of He Gets Us commercials and... They're not as bad as they were last year and that they've stepped up their game somewhat. Uh, but it does seem like a lot of the people that embrace the he gets us mentality would also embrace Lil Nas X. That's sort of my take on that. So uh, I'm going to get ready tee up the Lecrae. Uh, we're going to share this tab. We are going to be playing this at 1.25 speed, which is arguably just a little bit too slow for me, but... Uh, for you in the audience, it's probably fine and dandy. And Lil Lecrae, let's uh, talk about this for a second. And I don't, you know, mean to be a little baity because I titled this Lecrae Goes Gay for Lil Nas X's Blasphemy. And I mean that he's being 
gay in a sense of he's promoting homosexuality partially. He's partially affirming of homosexuality, which is how I'm going to be tackling the side B issue because Lecrae clearly advances side B theology in this video. And I believe that we need to frame side B theology as partially affirming of homosexuality. Christians should be in no way affirming of homosexuality. Then there's people like Matthew Vines that are fully affirming of homosexuality and Andrew Clavin who are fully uh, affirming of homosexuality. And then you have the people that are partially affirming of homosexuality because they don't affirm the, you know, the butt sex portion of it, but they affirm the identity and they affirm the desires as not sinful. And therefore, if they're not sinful, that means they're compatible with a Christian life. So what is Lil Nas X's relationship with his father? That's interesting because that will kind of come up in, in Lecrae's points. So we're going to talk about that in a second. Let me uh, make sure I'm caught up on chat on the Rumble side since I know Rumble can interact with me as well. And i uh, caught up. So with that said, let's get into it with Lecrae. I have had... A few interactions with Lil Nas X. Um, when we spoke last, I remember him saying his dad was a big fan, which made me feel old, if anything. Uh, but it was still cool to know, you know, he's encountered um, the music. I, I don't know for certain, but what I've heard is that his dad is a pretty devout, a devout Christian, and. I can only imagine what his experience has been um, being an outright uh, gay man growing up in a religious environment. I wonder if he has any frustrations or presuppositions or ideas about how Christians act toward him because potentially maybe he wasn't treated well historically. I want to pause right there. Uh, that's this is a very good comment from Yellow Moth. Uh, that symbol on his shirt is PCUSA, which is the gay Presbyterian denomination. And that is absolutely right. The PCUSA is a heretical denomination. They do not affirm the inerrancy of scripture or the authority of scripture. They have women pastors, which is, you know, I, I kind of just repeated myself. And they also are full on gay. So that's very true uh, to point that out. Uh, thank you for noticing the symbols because I did not, uh, to be honest, because I'm, I'm just not super caught up on denominational symbols as well as I probably should be. Um, and that's not a secret. The Christian community does not treat the gay community well, has not historically, right? That's just not, you know, anything to hide. Um, and that's because there are varying degrees. So I, I got to pause right here and just reject the premise. I am so tired of Christians being lectured about how we have not treated gays well enough. No, we followed the Bible for hundreds and hundreds of years. Homosexuality was criminalized in this country until this century uh, when the Supreme Court, in a very bad ruling, decided that, uh, no, it we, you can't you we understand the constitution better than the people who wrote the constitution and that's basically uh 
obviously not how English common law works, which is what our legal system is based on. But under English common law, you didn't have a right to be gay. And again, England understood this until uh, their last queen, you know, early in her reign, uh, decided that homosexuality shouldn't be criminalized anymore either. So you, you see this in the Western world that we've decriminalized sodomy and that hasn't worked out well at all. And I think things like, you know, the stone, was it the Stonewall riots or whatever they want to call it? That is a small price to pay for, you know, children not being groomed. Uh, so that's a very small price to pay. So the idea that, oh, Christians were mean, were too mean. I actually don't think Christians were mean enough. And I'm tired of Christians being lectured about how we were mean to the gays when we didn't hold the line on this issue, we let, you know, AIDS become a sympathetic cause. We let people can, we let the broader population accept the false premise that AIDS in Africa and AIDS in San Francisco are the exact same disease. Um, no. <laughs> and we let people basically the long march through the institution in terms of how much we let this creep, especially in social acceptability, to now even where the Republican Party, you know, is electing people like George Santos, who wasn't kicked out for being gay. He was kicked out for pulling a Saul Goodman, essentially, and pretending to be Jewish and all that other stuff that he was doing. He, he was a compulsive liar as well. So, uh, so... Same riser comes in with the uh, fact check. The Stonewall riot was over an illegal bar being shut down by cops. It wasn't a gay rights process. There's something that I'm referencing that was. I don't. So uh, thanks for that. Um, but I, I know there was an event back then that was about that. But people like Harvey Milk were not heroes. They were villains at the time. And we felt, you know, and Foucault was a villain at the time he was a child molester even so the history of the gay movement has always been tied to other things that were not good so with that said rejecting Lil Nas X's premise it's a common premise that Christians are lectured and browbeated on and I'm tired of it we shouldn't really give ground on this topic at all if I, you know that's my take on it why don't you read John Calvin's commentary on first corinthians six uh, he, he doesn't pull punches on that degrees of perspectives and objectives as it pertains to christians engaging culture um because here's and here's a caveat because I, I didn't even know i was going to go here but here's a caveat before we get into little nas x specifically i'm a firm believer that you know same-sex attraction is not a choice for everybody um, I want to pause right there and say, I kind of agree with that, especially among people who were, you know, experienced child sex abuse or trauma. I, I think that that's very much the case with that. I think there's a lot of recruitment that goes on in these circles. Um, did you ever watch Tiger King on Netflix? And since we're in a post uh, COVID world, a lot of you have definitely seen Tiger King on Netflix. And what Netflix tried to do was say, um, so what they showed you in Tiger King was that Joe Exotic 
recruited people to be his lovers. And he said, you know, do you watch porn? And the guy said that he did. And he said, well, do you like bigger penises in porn or smaller penises in porn? And he said, I guess, I guess he said bigger for some reason. And he's like, well, then you ain't that straight. And it, that kind of became a meme. But it basically was him explaining how he groomed this guy to be gay. And then afterwards, at the end of the first season of Tiger King, that dude is married or has some sort of girlfriend. He left the gay lifestyle. And you know what Netflix tried to say about that? Netflix tried to claim, well, he wasn't really gay. Like, what? The dude was in a three-way relationship with Joe Exotic, and Netflix tried to say he wasn't gay. So that dude chose to be gay, uh, obviously. But there's a lot of people who don't. Uh, and I think it's because of things like that. I also think the aforementioned pornography messes with people's brains. So I think you can go down that road. And they, people in that industry have talked about how they want more people to be gay. So, you know, they want younger people watching this stuff. So... That is a major problem facing society. So more on Lecrae. And if you are born with a propensity or an attraction toward a, the same sex, that in and of itself is not condemnable. So this is where, you know, we're going to disagree is I don't think anyone's born gay. I, I just flat out reject that premise. There's no studies that really show anything convincing on that front. Uh, so I think that's a, th there's no evidence there. And then he's trying to say that same sex attraction isn't condemnable. Like that's not something you condemn someone for. And I think that's what's consistently happened in the churches. People have said, hey, I'm attracted to the same sex. Oh, you're going to hell. That's not okay. Um, on top of that, people outside the church have said, hey, not only am I same-sex attracted, I'm acting on it. And the Christian community is pointing fingers again. But, but what about all the people outside the church who do all kinds of things that we would consider sin? Like, where's the uproar for, I don't know. <laughs> so... Let's get down with this uh, for a second. So he is arguing that same-sex attraction is not sinful. And that is something that I wholeheartedly reject. Same-sex attraction is most certainly a sin. And it's pretty obvious to make that case uh, because same or sinful desires are in and of themselves sin. Sinful attitudes are in and of themselves sin. Uh, so anything that's a sinful inclination isn't in and of itself sinful. God's standard of perfection is that high. You know, the Bible says to take our thoughts captive. And the idea that, you know, with normal lust, you know, you see someone, you're attracted to them, you lust after them. There's sort of a linear process. Something that's a perversion of creation, it kind of goes the other way around. You're a, a track, there's a sinful desire that leads to an attraction that, you know, it, it's all bad. 
Whereas there, there's not a redeeming quality. There's not a level that's not sinful in this process, whatever, however you want to order. I think the desire precedes and to even with heterosexuality, the desire precedes it because there isn't a, a, a male you know, sex drive at work, but there's something that God created there that's good and is, is, is working. Now, it can be corrupted. Now, with homosexuality, this isn't from God. It is a perversion of what God created. So everything that stems from that is sin. It's all part of original. You know, it's all part of your fleshly sin. And we had Jud, Dr. Jared Moore on to talk about that. And so we talked about you know the same-sex attraction issue. We talked about the Preston Sprinkle debate that he did and stuff like that. So you should check out that video. But Lecrae is arguing side B theology here. And it's wrong. And it's a false doctrine because he's basically saying that homosexual attraction is not in and of itself a sin. And it is a sin. It is something that you need to repent of. And it is something that, you know, God can take away from you. So it, it's a sin. So I, I, I want to respond to this comment because... Uh, same rise as troll on me, and I love it. Uh, choose to be gay sounds a bit Arminian of you, not gonna lie. And I here's the thing about Arminianism, and it's very good at describing the human experience, but it does not describe the God experience at all. So it doesn't describe God's perspective at all. From our perspective, our measly earthly perspective, the Arminian position describes our experiences pretty well, actually. We choose the sin and uh, even people like Pelagius and he denied original sin, but I think he didn't, his denial of original sin was to incur more moral culpability on the sinner saying that you can't blame original sin. You chose to do everything that you you're doing and all, but I, I don't think people are born gay. There's no scientific evidence to really back that. So, uh, going back to Lecrae. Gluttony. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and here's my, my biggest issue. When we come back to Lil Nas X, it's not even about his, his sexuality. It's about his lifestyle choices in general, right? Like people are upset about his life. I want to point out that he talks about why aren't we in an uproar about gluttony? Because, well, first of all, gluttony is a less... Um, it is a less definable sin. You're basing the sin of gluttony off a couple of passages in the Bible, but the, it's not like it's describing what is and what isn't gluttony, in my opinion. So it's a less defined sin. Secondly, it's a less promoted sin. And I do think there's varying degrees of what sin offends God. So there, there's a... A hierarchy of sin. We obviously have the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin. So clearly God has already established that some sins are worse than others. But if we look at the story of David and Bathsheba, it starts out with one sin and winds up with murder. So there's a progression of sin and that progression gets to worse and worse sins. We see that with Cain and Abel. Uh, the Cain did not control his sin and it got worse and worse and worse. So sin gets worse uh, if left unchecked. 
So there's obviously varying degrees in which sin offends God. Like all of it's a violation of God's standard, but some of it is more offensively so than other sins. So David, lust, adultery, murder. Yes, there's a progression of the sin there. It also starts out with laziness. It starts out with sloth, then lust, then adultery, then murder and deceit because there's some covering up along the way but yes there's a progression and that progression it indicates that it gets worse and worse and worse lifestyle choices people are upset about rappers lifestyle choices in general people are upset about non-christian lifestyle choices in general what are we expecting why do we not expect sinners to sin i don't understand that like a blind man comes on the bus steps on your toe and you say hey, what the heck are you doing blind man Stepping on my foot, blind man. No, you help him find a seat. That's what you do. And so you've got people in the world who are wrestling with what faith is and who God is. And maybe their lifestyle choices would look drastically different if they knew the true and living God. Well, it's not our job to condemn them for their lifestyle choices. It's our job to show them where love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control exists. It's our job to show them where forgiveness and love like just permeates and transforms everything. It's almost as if people forgot they were ever folks who made poor choices or folks who said things that they regret. Like I distinctly remember before I was a Christian because I didn't become a Christian until I was a grown man. I so what is odd here is he's trying to argue that, you know, we need to be nicer is essentially his overarching point. We need to out-nice them, and that'll lead them to Christ. But really, sometimes, I don't want to use the term, a uh, sales term, but you got to go for the hard hard sell, the hard close. Uh, say, hey, you're dead in your sins. Like, how many of you came to Christ without a conviction of sin? So the idea that we're not rebuking people for their sin and then presenting the gospel. Well, what's part of the gospel is the fall of man, our need for a savior. How do you receive a savior if you don't know why you need a savior? So many issues with his presentation of this issue. Distinctly remember not thinking anything was wrong with the choices I was making. Woke up on the front lawn of my mom's house, dead drunk, and thought, woo, that was crazy. I didn't think anything was detrimental about that. Gave a girl an STD, curable, thank God. She calls me crying. I'm like, Psh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dang, she called me, that's crazy. Why didn't I tell her, go to the clinic I went to and get the pills I got? I didn't think anything was wrong with what I did. Terrible. Walked through my neighborhood at 18 years old. Opened up, let me not say what I did. Committed some crimes. I don't know the statute of limitations on this. Probably seven years. <laughs> the point or is, less. I did not see anything wrong with what I was doing. Yeah, maybe in my conscience, I was like, yeah, this isn't right. But I still celebrated it with those who were willing to celebrate it. Why? Because I hadn't seen the light. My heart hadn't been transformed. How do we expect that to happen? Like, if some Christian would have came to me and said, What a dumb, ignorant sinner you are. Can't believe you're doing all this heinous stuff. God's going to get you. You think I would have been like, Dang. I need to trust Jesus now. Thank you. Thank you, stranger, for the brutal chastisement you just gave me. Right? You think that's how Jesus's formula was? That he just walked around like looking at prostitutes saying, hey, hey, you, you 
you are an enemy of God and you will perish for your lewd acts. Is that what we saw him do? I don't, I don't recall seeing Jesus move like that. I recall seeing Pharisees move like that. I recall seeing the Pharisees. I want to stop right there. Cause I, I really don't usually, I, I guess my problem, you know, I'm not as much a, a Texas receptus type of person, but yeah, the story in John eight to me was inserted in the Bible. It reads like it was inserted in the Bible, you know? So I'm not big. The, and the way that people try to mishandle that text to make very liberal points really drives me nuts. So not a fan of that. And he's trying to, he makes a lot of arguments to try to lecture and shame Christians for essentially, you know, having some balls in our culture. And there's very much a sense that uh, we need to not hold standards, not have expectations, uh, not call out sin. And he has a point right here. Like this is where he wants to get the prodigal son wrong. Essentially a man has two sons. One son does everything the father wants him to do on paper, right? I did this. I do this. I wake up when I'm supposed to wake up. I feed the horses. I do all the things dad wants me to do. The other son says, Hey dad, listen, I'm not about to follow your rules. Um, you're going to die one day and I'm going to get an inheritance. Can you just give me my inheritance now so I can go live the life I want to live? I have no interest in pleasing you. So one of them is religious. One of them is irreligious. The irreligious one goes off prostitutes, going out, getting drunk, wilding. The religious one is at home doing everything daddy said, the model citizen. And when the irreligious brother comes home after being in Vegas for six months, spending up his dad's money, drinking up liquor, Snorting lines of cocaine. He's broke. He's basically homeless, eating out of trash cans at this point in time. He comes home. He's like, Dad, I'm tripping. You gave me everything I ever needed, and I turned my back on you. The father doesn't say, yeah, right. You made your bed. You go lie in that. The father doesn't say, how dare you come asking me for help now? Oh, 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 now you want help. Oh, now you want to be my son. He doesn't do that. You know who does do that? The older brother. The older brother who didn't make the money in the first place, it was never his to make, right? Who never cared about the younger brother in the first place. All he cared about was getting that inheritance. And that's why he did everything dad wanted him to do. He felt like he earned the inheritance. He earned his father's love. So yeah, he's mad. He's pissed off because he's like, man. Notice how he's ascribing motivation to the older brother as he wanted the dad's inheritance. No, that's not it. It's not about the inheritance. It's about you know, the standard and the treatment and all that. He was actually kind of mad about the cow getting, you know, you're putting a robe on him and slaughtering the fattest cow for him type of, it was more like that. It was more of an indignation in the text. And I do all this stuff and you're just going to give him this? No, no. And that's what a lot of us are. We're older brothers. No, little Nas X, you don't get to ask God for help. No, you non-believers, you guys... You guys, you know, you're out in Vegas, snorting lines, you evil pieces of crap. And meanwhile, the father, if you look at the ancient Jewish text, he comes running out to meet his son. Ancient if you know Christian anything about ancient Near Eastern culture, uh, old patriarchs, they don't run. It's actually like dishonorable. In an honor society, you don't run. It looks distasteful. It's like a woman taking off her hijab or something. It's like you don't do that. 
he breaks code, character, honor codes and everything and runs out to meet his son to embrace him. That's how moved he was. That's how moved God is when we say, God, I need you. I know I'm a disaster, but I need you. When Cain killed Abel, God didn't say, oh, you. So here's what he gets wrong about the story, and it's basically everything. But the prodigal son is about backsliding. It's about someone who was in the faith, who was with the father, leaves the father. So at the, you know, the father's the God character in the story. Both sons are with him in the beginning. That's not the case with the, you know, an unbeliever who is then saved. And this story follows the lost sheep and the lost coin. It has the same meaning. Jesus told the same story three different times in three different ways. This is the most dramatic way and the most profound way in which he conveys the same lesson that those who are in the fold of God are not lost, that God will search for them and preserve them. Like even the prodigal son will return. So this isn't a, necessarily a story about unbelievers. It's coming to God. It's a story about believers not being lost by God. They will be found by God. They will not, you know, be, you know, lost forever. So that is what the story is about. And he clearly doesn't understand uh, the basics of that chapter in Matthew assuming he's reading from Matthew. Uh, so I want to skip ahead because this part really kind of drives me nuts. This is where he's basically preaching loser theology, which is a very topical way of describing what it is his message really is. We're not David in the story. We keep making ourselves the David figure, the Moses figure. That shows to me you're young and arrogant. You're young and arrogant. If you, if you make yourself the Moses or the David in the story, you're not. You know who we are in the story of David and Goliath? We're Israel hiding because we're scared of Goliath. And God has to send a David to kill him for us. And that David is Jesus. You're not David. Your job is not to cut off Goliath's head. Your job is to trust in the one who will do the job. Where have I heard you are not David? You are not Elijah. Where have I heard that before? I, I just can't stand this level of uh, rhetoric. You are not Paul. You can't just name names. You're not Paul. I, something about that came up recently in a headline. I read the article as well, but I can't remember the subject. But this idea that you cannot properly you know, view yourself or identify with believers in the Bible is nuts. These people are, you know, these characters like David are our brothers in the faith. You know, there's some way that we can identify with them because there's some way we can, you know, identify with Jesus. Right. And certainly he identifies with us. So it's just nuts that you're trying to disassociate us from the, Bible. Now, in the crucifixion, we are the thief on the cross, in my opinion. That's who we kind of are in that story. Uh, now, or we could be this, you know, the scoffing crowd as well. But 
I think the thief on the cross is the character I most identify with. You're not killing Satan. You don't have the power. Jesus does. He's David. He's Moses leading us. We are Israel wandering the desert. You think too high of yourself if you think you're Moses. <clears throat> you think too high of yourself if you think you're David. And there's some aspects of David's life that sure, we can take from it. Yeah, we can take that he was the least of these. He was the lowest, but so was Jesus. <laughs> we can take that he worked hard at his skill. And we can use some of those skill sets that we've worked hard at to do the work that God's called us to do. But we can only think of ourselves as David if we see Jesus using us through his work, his power. Not because this is my job. Go get Goliaths. It's my job. Go defeat Pharaoh. No. At best, we're all giraffes on roller skates. We're a disaster. Jesus is Moses. <laughs> Moses is, Jesus is a greater Moses, what the Bible calls him. Jesus is a greater David. That's what the Bible calls him. They're called uh, 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 typologies. They're types of Christs. So start seeing yourself as Israel. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's actually a lot wrong with that because we're believers. We have the Holy Spirit in us. What much of the Old Testament shows us is that these people weren't saved. Like I'm truly under the impression that a whole generation witnessed the plagues of Egypt and then went to hell with a few exceptions. But that whole generation went to hell. They were an unbelieving generation. As Christians, we're a believing generation. We're the knees that aren't bowed. We're like the 7,000 men who didn't bow the knee to uh, Baal in the, the story of Elijah. So we can't identify with that as opposed to identifying with Israel that bent the knee to uh, Baal and Molech and all the other fake gods that they had. So this is an absurd comparison. It's meant to discourage believers from taking bold stands. This is loser theology, loser teaching. And I, I like what uh, Matt C said in the comment. I uh, can't imagine the prodigal son eating at the father's table, wearing go-go boots and women's underwear. <laughs> uh, yes. And... I, yeah, that's a funny way of putting it, bringing the subject of the matter back to Lil Nas X. And I think part of this has to do with Lecrae's a rapper. Part of it also has to do with he's a flaming liberal and it shows. So it, it it's just bad advice. And shows you weak. We boast in our weakness. Makes God look good. You know, I I didn't have any forerunners or people to like show me how to engage um, celebrity culture uh, once I became a public figure. Um, and so a lot of it has been trial and error. Um, I've beat myself up for not being a better witness. I've beat myself up for coming on too strong. I've beat myself up for condemning. Um, and I've had to give myself grace because God does. And say, hey, man, I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, and so a lot of us don't know what we're doing. You know, we don't know. And I, I just want to, you know, encourage you, if you have access to people in those spaces, um, to show them love, man. They're real people. I promise you they read your comments. 
I promise you they're hurt by them, even if they say they're not. I promise you they're affected. I promise you, you praying for them makes a difference because God can hear your prayers and he sees you as his child. And, you know, he gives you the desires of your heart. And if the desires of your heart is to see transformation in our culture, I think that's helpful. I think Christians often critique culture, condemn culture, or copy culture. Let's create culture. That's what we did historically. We made hospitals. We made universities because we cared about people. And those things still stand to this day. What if we still kept caring about people? Um, listen, I'm not telling everybody to go out and care for celebrities and celebrity culture because I know a lot of us just want to be associated with that. It could be a slippery slope for us. We want to be seen. We want to be exalted. We want to be glorified. And maybe getting too close to that light does something to your soul. But some of us are well-equipped to do it. We're just afraid of being ostracized or afraid of being canceled. These folks need love, man. You don't got to do it publicly. Do it privately. But... You may be seen in public and that's okay because you know what you're doing and you know what God is doing. I've been condemned a million times for working with people. They don't know the conversations that went on behind the scenes. Um, so man, make space for folks, man. Make space for people. Maybe they're not as. So he did say some good things in this. So, and, and that was about creating culture. Now, again, I think much of the problem with Christians trying to create culture is a lot of it is we're just slapping the label Christian on a product and using Christian as a value proposition rather than um, just as an added, you know, identity factor. If you know, if, if that makes sense, like Christianity shouldn't be a value proposition for a business. It, the value proposition should be that's a quality product or service, but it should be like an added benefit or feature to the customer. But again, I, I do think there's some heightened sensitivity that Lil Nas X is a fellow rapper and he wants to, you know, put the kids gloves on for this situation. When in fact, Lil Nas X is committing major blasphemy. He's not, and, and he's mocking Christ. Like, are we not supposed to be like David and say, who are these uncircumcised Philistines? Like who are mocking our God? Like, are we not supposed to be like David in that instance? Indignant for our God out of the love that we have for the one true God. We shouldn't have some sort of indignation towards Lil Nas X and his behavior, his antics. We shouldn't, our response should be a righteous indignation towards Lil Nas X who wants to claim that he's God because he is committing blasphemy. And then he wants, you know, to say this is his Christian era, but he's the one on the cross, not Jesus. He's the one, uh, basically he's, the one dressed like Jesus. He's the one trying to emulate in appearance poorly, homoerotically, Jesus in his imagery. This is about him. This isn't about him. So I, I'm not sure how much more we got left, but we are almost landing the plane. As some people like big to say. as little Nas X or Justin Bieber or Doja Cat, maybe they're just the mayor of the city or 
congressperson or, <laughs> you know, your local multimillionaire. Um, it's like, man, it doesn't do us any good to be a people who are known for condemning folks because they are blinded by their own success. I mean, that's typically what happens to us, right? That's what success does to you. And I'm take, take it from somebody who's experienced it. Um, pride comes before the fall. That's just how it works. You begin to think you're bigger and better than everything around you. God will deal with you. But it'd be great if the people of God were there to support you on your way up and down. Because um, everything that goes up will come down. Yes. Why didn't you warn me about my life before I hit rock bottom? That is the type of support that he's talking about. Not warning people that they were going to fall. Like some people benefit, you know, usually when people are repentant, they don't mind being told, I told you so. If someone is actually contrite about being wrong, like take someone who was woke in 2020 or supported lockdowns in 2020, and then they realized they were wrong. If that person is truly sincere, are they going to take an I told you so? Yeah, they're going to take that. And they're going to say, I deserve that. That's what someone who know, admits that they were wrong would do. No, I, I tell my wife, I told you, know, she told me so every now and then. And, you know, I like to do it back uh, when I can. But because I like saying I told you so, I, I just do. But, you know, if you're married, you know. So the idea that, oh, we're going to be nice to you on the way up and then nice to you on the way down, which is very Rick Warren-ish. You know, we're going to basically Rick Warren is all about we're going to capitalize on people while they're down. I'm going to bring them to church. We're going to target people at their worst moments. And that way, when life gets better for them, they're going to credit Christ, right? It's like, no, you're just getting people at their lowest moments to become carnal Christians. So that's kind of what he's advocating here. It is a carnal Christianity. So he has a uh, story that I kind of want to skip, and then we'll close with his invitation to Lil Nas X. It's got you know, some touchy music. As it pertains to Lil Nas X, my brother, I don't, I don't know you, know you, but I, I'm down to get to know you. You know, love to get to know you. Um, I don't know your motivations. I don't assume to know your burdens or desires or your story, but I'm here if you want to share it. I have no desire to make a public spectacle out of it. I have no desire to post pictures. Look, me and Nas hanging out. My only desire is to see you become everything God wants you to be. So, man, I'm here. I will not be one of the ones who exists to condemn and to criticize you because I know what grace tastes like. I know what forgiveness tastes like. And man, I, I'll be the last person uh, to cast judgment and condemnation on you. But got I'd the love, manipulative music here. To walk you through who I believe that. is the most gracious, loving, satisfying person in existence. And that's Jesus. The authentic Jesus, not the caricature that maybe society has drawn up for you that hates you, but the one who is willing to sacrifice his life on behalf of the least. Of it's not just the caricature that society's drawn up. What about the caricature that Lil Nas X has drawn up? 
that needs to be called like you gotta point that out too the beast on behalf of the degenerates on behalf of the killers tax collectors the prostitutes um, that's the one i'd love you to get to know all right there we have it that is lecrae uh, basically going gay, and I mean that theologically and spiritually for Lil Nas X. Uh, so I'll do a last call for questions, but I do want to let you know you can support Evangelical Dark Web at evangelicaldarkweb.org/slash join. That's our Patreon-like system. We got some exciting things happening this year. Uh, there will be some major projects that I'm going to be uh, starting. Uh, not sure where it's going to go, but. Sometimes the project is the asset acquisition, but otherwise we have a book coming out this year. It's going to be called winning, not Winsome: 10 commandments of spiritual warfare. So I do want to, you know, plug the book. It's not, there's no release date yet. I've been promising this book for a while, but I've had to make some modernizations to the book and, you know, I'm collecting some endorsements for the book. So I'm, I'm trying to play the Big Eva game that I'm clearly not cut out to play, uh, to be honest. But, you know, in terms of working with people and networking and stuff like that, I don't have any fancy book deals. And this book is very uh, politically incorrect. But there's a lot of stuff that I reference in the book that I talk about regularly here. But this is going to be new material. This isn't me rehashing videos that I've done. It's going to be me talking about how I do what I do. Uh, it's going to be largely about discernment and spiritual warfare, and it's going to incorporate a lot of the material that I have done, but it's not just going to be restating the material that I've done uh, in the same exact points. Like this isn't going to be a sermon series novelized uh, or a lot of, you know, conservative talk shows do that. Like they do an entire series of shows on their book and then write a book on it. Like, that's not what this is. It's underlying ways in which I I operate. These are underlying things. So that's what it is. Um, Yellow Moth will endorse your book. My Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so that's what's going to be coming up in the future. But until then, uh, will you have a chapter on social media tools? No, because it's going to be a little bit more timeless in what I'm advocating than just that. But the principles carry over extremely well to social media. So I don't think there's a whole chapter on it. Maybe there's a section on social media, but uh, it's not necessarily. Yeah, it's not necessarily about that. There, it's more broad in terms of what the 10 commandments are for spiritual warfare. So anyway, that's all I got to say about that for tonight. Have a blessed day. We will catch you on the next one.